Welcome to the herd and thanks for listening. If you enjoy this sodcast, please like it, share it, give it a good rating and follow and help more people find their way into the Ruminati herd. If you have suggestions for improvements, please let me know. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Meet Your Herdmates Sodcast. Um, today, thanks to technology, um, our guest is joining us from Nairobi, um, Kenya, East Africa, which it's now 8 o'clock in the morning here, and it's... 6 p.m. in Nairobi. 6 p.m. Mm. So um, it's one of the benefits of of having technology is that we can reach a little further and and uh, bring people into the herd, uh, the Ruminati herd, and and help people understand. Um, today's guest, I am looking forward to the conversation because she's involved in livestock agriculture in smallholders in Africa and in parts of Asia. So I I Isabel Baltenvec, um, if you had the opportunity, remember when we used to go to dinner parties? I don't know if they do that in Nairobi. We've been isolating. Oh, they do. Here. We do. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So if you had the chance to s introduce yourself in a social gathering, how would you do that briefly? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm Isabel. I'm, I'm an economist by training, but um, I'm a mother of three boys, and uh, it's uh, it's for me uh, an amazing thing to have to have kids of a different age and see them grow and see try to expose them to to this world and uh, provide them with opportunities for them to grow and make the world a better place. Mm. So um, it's uh, I'm a, I'm very much interested into livestock. For me, livestock is I, lo I love the word in English, livestock. You know, it's really livestock for for life. You know, for livelihoods. Um, mm. So I've seen many. I've met many many people who derive their their lives, their livelihoods from livestock, um, and uh, I therefore think it's one of my duty. To, to ensure that the message is well conveyed, that livestock can be bad. There's bad things about livestock, but there are so many good things about livestock, and we should not uh, miss the big picture that livestock is such an important element in many people's lives. Hmm. Um, that's, that's the way I usually describe myself. I'm French by, uh, I'm brought up in, Fr in, in France. Um, I'm actually, my parents are wine growers, were wine growers before they got retired. Therefore, my background, I miss, <laughs> I miss home quite a bit. I'm not been able to travel home for yeah since more than a year now, mm. and therefore my my background is I'm always looking at wine arts because um, I like the the elegance of of the wine arts, and uh, and the, I have deep roots in farming, not in livestock, but I have deep roots in uh, in farming uh, with mm. uh, wine growing family. Um, my my dad did some research geology and managed to trace us back for many centuries and we we're always in wine growing or wine making. So mm. my brother takes over and my sister, so we are safe family wise. But me I I moved okay. to research on livestock, yes. And and you've been so you work for Ilri. And that's the International Livestock Research Institute and located headquartered there in Nairobi. How long have you worked for Ilri? 
Yeah, for I think yeah, I don't dare say twenty years actually. I <laughs> I started doing working on, on, on dairy first and on livestock in more in general by by chance, completely by chance. I never wanted to work on livestock. And uh, I suppose once you start working on livestock, once you've kind of, you know, started, it's just so interesting. As a researcher, as an economist, livestock is so interesting that uh, so many options. So uh, I never managed to get uh, out of Italy. Um, mm. I've tried, but <laughs> always the interest and the passion for livestock kept me kept me here. So yes, Italy is, uh, has a, uh, we are, we are, we are hosted by two governments, by the government of Ethiopia and one by and by Kenya. So we have two headquarters actually, okay. and uh, we have a global mandate. So we don't only work in those two countries; we work as well in uh, in parts of uh, West Africa and South Asia and Southeast Asia, less so in Latin America. Uh, so, but you have a global mandate, really looking at how livestock can support people's livelihoods in low income countries. Hmm. And you are, is it right that you're the program leader of policies, institutions, and livelihoods program? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, ILRI has, um, you know, as many research institutes, uh, works in different programs, uh, areas of focus. But it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we only do that, but uh, we organize ourselves that way. And uh, as you can guess, ILRI has uh, our programs on, uh, on, the, on genetics, our program on food and forages and animal and human health and uh, and sustainable livestock systems. And as well, we have a program which I lead. I'm very very happy to lead that program. That looks at really how how do we how do we um, ensure that policies and investments at at the broader level at uh, are supporting are supporting the sector. But as well, looking at value chain arrangements and uh, what uh, what kind of um, system can be put in place to ensure that the technologies and practices that my colleagues from genetics or from health are, are creating, how do we make sure that they're actually used and have an, a positive impact on, on, the, on men and women, livestock keepers and other actors along the value chains? Mm. So it's a big task. I have a, I have a large team, great, great team across all the different places. And uh, yeah, we, we're doing our best to ensure that, you know, uh, what the livestock sector can offer, is it's, it's available uh, to all. And I was speaking the beginning of this week with a gentleman from Zimbabwe, and he was saying uh, it's not so much the money, he needs the knowledge. And um, so uh, you've um, mentioned several things that I, I want to, chase out eventually, but I don't want to lose track of, uh, I'm wondering at times how our nutritional policies and um, narratives impact what you're trying to do for smallholders in low and middle income countries. So specifically, there's a large or at least a vocal group of people who want to minimize the importance of livestock agriculture. And yet in the part of the world that you're serving, it's fundamental, it's fundamental here, but even for development, it's essential. 
to have livestock agriculture. So is is that tension something that you have to wrestle with in what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a few years back, I, I think many of us and me as well, we were not really thinking that saying, you know, that the livestock is bad for your health and environment would really affect people in low income countries because it's not really relevant, you know. It's like if people don't even have access to enough food, I mean, morally speaking, how can you tell them to to remove one thing that they can have that can support their children's nutrition? It just doesn't really, you know, get make sense. But what is, what is happening is, yes, when people start making those big claims and like overall livestock is bad for you and stop eating uh, meat and stop drinking milk, then you have an impact on investment, on overall policies, on some of our donors. And then we're like, oh, hold on, it's not the same situation, you know? People on the ground don't have that luxury of choosing, mm, should I do a vegan burger or a beef burger? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the choice is not there. So it is now getting really relevant. And and therefore, I, I said, you know, I think we have to work on those things. And before, we were not really. So, yes, it's getting very, very important. And therefore, we try to kind of bring those voices uh, from from the field uh, to, to this higher level because uh, I think people have to listen. To, I mean, have to first hear those voices and really listen and take action. And it's not about... You know, but we have all to eat more more meat or drink more milk. Obviously, no. But uh, I think for people whose whose it's those livestock livestock derived foods um, as uh, as the easiest, the more affordable and available. I think we should not tell them not to do it. I mean, it just mm. doesn't seem morally right. So well, that's why yeah. that's why I'm interested. Uh, and and in a world where we have this very broad and very pressing issue of malnutrition in which animal source foods are a key part of alleviating that. And then on top of that, the the role that livestock play in the farming systems that you're serving. Um, so you use, or, or somewhere I came across this small holder value chain. So I'm a simple forage agronomist. I don't understand these things. <laughs> Tell me what you mean by small holder value chain. Well, small holder, yeah, small holder dairy. Yes, exactly. Or value chains. Yeah. I mean, okay. I am based in Kenya. I did my PhD on Kenya, in Kenya, on Kenya dairy. That's why, that's how I started, um, my interest, uh, for, for the dairy sector. And Kenya is a bit of a particular case uh, where where there's actually a lot of um, what we call grade animals, so quite high um, animals with high potential to to uh, to produce milk. And when you look at the countryside, I mean, it's it's very clear people are actually able to to feed the animals properly. They have access to some animal health services, and uh, able therefore to uh, to to get milk for their families. They're able to sell some of, the, of some of the, that milk to the local uh, trader or to the local cooperative and get an income off out of it. Raise their kids, get their kids to school. I mean, this is these are like basic things for many people, but they are really key. And uh, and uh, we have, you know, many people have actually said, you know, without dairy, I wouldn't have been able to go to school. Or if when my parents, you know, or my, my grandmother passed away, my my parents used that milk. 
to actually you know get uh, get by. So so the smallholder is it's it's long it sounds very uneconomical to keep just you know one two three animals on a very small patch of land and oh, surely you know, but because people use uh, the existing uh, resources um, a few a few a few uh, ac- uh, area a few um, acres of of land to grow fodder or for grazing if they have more lands or they cut and carry uh, road, roadside grass. And actually the animals are able to produce sufficiently to live. If there was possibly, you know, a big industry or a big sector, uh, service sector that people could could, uh, could get jobs, that would be fine. But in many places in Africa, that's not the case. So agriculture is still a key sector for, for people to get, to get jobs, to get uh, income. Uh, so, you know, in other parts of, of the world, it's very different. Some parts of Southeast Asia and South Asia, you know, it's, uh, there's more industrializations. Uh, uh, but in many parts of, uh, of Africa, agriculture does offer great opportunities and, and livestock in particular. So smallholder system is really about right now, uh, people have a few animals. How do you then support them in growing the herd if they have the capacity and the will and the willingness? Some people want to do something else, right? They want to do, I don't know, banana or cashew nuts. But for people who actually want to invest into dairy, because it's an increased demand for milk as well and dairy products in those, in those countries, how do we support them in terms of capacity? We mentioned that earlier. In terms of institutions having the right access to, to vaccines, to feed and forages, and like for you, and, and the right policies to support the process. So that's what I think I like. That's what I like doing. Yeah. Mm. So, and and so the the livestock are a key part of social security in that there's a stability there that takes out some of the economic jolts um but as production increases then you're faced with the challenge of getting to market so once you're feeding enough for yourself and now you're looking for well how do i convert this then into more income or into income so then there's chains and i remember years ago i don't want to think about how many um there was an international congress in um sydney in australia and i listened to a gentleman talk about a cooperative project in um tanzania and the smallholder uh dairies mostly women owners maybe you know two cows three cows you know would be a large but they were forming a cooperative or a cooperative had been formed so that they could have more power in buying and then moving uh, milk into the market and the first project that they got into was putting milk into Ziploc bags with a straw and getting it to the schools so the school children could have milk and then there was some measurement of, of, of what the teachers were perceiving as far as behavior and performance. So again, things look very different. Perspective very much matters um, when you look at some of the conversations. Um, development economist, is that, I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, um, it's a big thing. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
still about economics from the from the develop from the from from developing countries perspective. So I'm an overall economist on focusing on 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 low in, low and medium income countries. I did my my MSc and my PhD at um, in France at um, mm-hmm. Université d'Auvergne, and uh, at that time uh, it was the only university in France that was offering that uh, that degree actually. So I mm-hmm. I don't come from that region. I come from the east of France as I was saying earlier, and uh, yeah I. I really wanted to work on 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 economics because that's what I like and um, mm. but really focusing on low and medium income countries uh so yeah systems policies institutions that that support um producer mm. to to get a better livelihood um, so we we've talked about ILRI there's another acronym C G A R what is yeah, it's actually no longer an acronym, but yes. Oh, <laughs> it's, oh yeah, it's, sorry. It's, it's, <laughs> it's this, yeah, this, this, this consortium of uh, of several um, centers and no alliances that are coming that uh, that work together on on the on the on, on the same topic. So, like, so Ilri is is a center focusing on on livestock. We have you know centers focusing on on wheat or on maize uh, or on drylands and on policies. And we're actually moving now to what we call the one CGR. Uh, so we are even strengthening our collaboration between centers, um, okay. which is which is very positive. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, so we've we've talked. It, it it really is important for people to understand just how integrated the farming systems in Africa and. Asia, parts of Asia are that these small holder, and I've seen some statistics about the percentage of the world's feed commodity, food commodities that are produced on small holder and integrated systems so that livestock are still playing a role as draft animals in many parts of the world. They're the source of fertilizer for the crops. Um, you mentioned before cut and ca- roadside cut and carry, um, and then you're left with the manure, which then can, you know, whatever plot of land that you have that you can farm now that enriches that as well. Um, so those sorts of things I think are important for people to to hear about. Absolutely, I mean it's. You know, the, yeah, the first time I came here, I was as well as well very very puzzled by that. You know, compared to <laughs> to the systems in Europe, where you know you have a maize field and but the maize field, right? <laughs> and you have your cows there, and those are your cows. And uh, yeah, so it's it's what you call crop mix mixed livestock systems um, in in many parts of uh, of the regions where we work in where yeah people have have animals and they have uh, chicken in the you know in the in the in the in the backyard uh, having a few eggs here and there able to sell uh, chicken as well live when when required or have them for <laughs> for parties and uh, and then yes growing growing parts uh, parts of the food that they consume themselves and the rest uh, they are selling so there's more or less three three main types of what we call crop livestock interaction. The, the first one you said is manure, right? The, the animal actually uh, supporting maintaining soil fertility. I think that's that's really key, you know, because people don't have access to fertilizer. 
So more or less, the livestock is almost like the livestock is um, is being in the in the in the developed world in the north. People have used alternatives to manure. It's 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 fertilizers. In in the, in the area we are we are working, they're using manure because that's what they have, and it makes much more sense actually as well environmentally friendly. And then the, so that's that's the first one. The second one is uh, extraction or plowing. So, uh, or we as well have donkeys that carrying uh, carrying water and things like that, or um, you know, or, or plowing. The third one is when it's when you actually have uh, uh, a crops like like maize or granite, which then the 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 leaves, the stems are actually fed back to the livestock. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, dual purpose crops, as 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 we call it. Uh, are extremely important because if you have very small land size, you know you can have your plot of, of of maize. The grains is for the human, and the and the rest, the leaves are for the animal. So you have it's very very efficient systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's the, the the third main way of 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 the mixed crop livestock systems. Um, so in in many many parts of um, of of the of, of the area we are working in in the highlands in, in East Africa for example, but as well in in India, in Southeast Asia, we have a lot of of systems. There's other systems in in where where whole livestock are, are being uh, are being kept. It's obviously more the pastoral system, agro-pastoral systems, uh, the rangeland systems where you have large area of land where crops cannot cannot grow. You know, I have as well where I, where I come from. We have uh, we have Livoge where where you have mountains and you can't grow anything there. But you know, cattle are are there, are kept. Uh, people they have the livelihood from from cattle, and as well those animals maintain uh, the the ecosystems. So in in Africa we have as well large areas, the Sahel, where there's really no crops much, and you can grow, and therefore, you know, livestock offers um, offers uh, people. Um, food, but as well uh, prestige. That's as well very, very important for many people. Is that in the past, dowry were were paid using using animals. No, it's more cash based. Uh, but but uh, but just the prestige associated with with keeping uh, with keeping livestock. It's uh, you know I think it's that 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 pride. And uh, if you see some of the breeds uh, of uh, of cattle, you actually very easily understand why those animals are. Absolutely gorgeous. They are beautiful, and uh, one can understand easily why people keep them for for that purpose as well. And and that was something else that came up on the conversation I mentioned earlier that uh, the preservation of these breeds is an important form of biodiversity. Absolutely. That um, uh, one gentleman that I met at a international conference, and we had. He was part of a panel and there were four, two gentlemen were from North America, one was from Ireland, and then this gentleman from Southern Africa. And the two gentlemen from North America were like, I don't know, I'm third generation rancher, rancher. And the guy from Ireland was like, I'm fourth generation. And then my friend from Southern Africa said, yeah, I'm about 23rd generation. So it's... it's, A long time, uh, yeah. and cattle have been in that part of the world for a long time, part of the landscape. Um, so we've there, there's this there's there's this tendency to think that 
okay, if I reach over here onto my shelf, sorry, over that shoulder, and grab my forage, you know, my agronomy 101, and my forages 201, and my animal science 301, and bundle them off there, good, there's the information, and we got that sorted, and now, you know, what's next? Well, it, it's not quite so simple. Um, in At many layers, it's not so simple. Um, but what you're dealing with is this i think the the phrase is a wicked a wicked complex system that um all these different factors are playing in yeah. where in some cases it's the cultural heritage in other cases it's economic factors in other cases it's political factors legal factors funding all of that together um when when you look at your experience, I guess, what what would you think are the most important? We, we've covered some of them already, and it, it, I think it's important enough just to go over them again. Um, that, that for people who, obviously people listening to a podcast are going to be primarily coming from a high-income country perspective. So what would you like them to know? about the role of livestock in general and ruminants in particular in food systems and in economic development in the low and middle income countries. I One of the quotes that I still haven't committed to memory, but I love it. So it's, it's about feeding the developing countries out of poverty, that livestock agriculture is fundamental to that goal. And so if we could just review some of those topics yeah no that's that's at the my work so yeah i, I agree it's, it's never <laughs> so it's good to to be to be very clear about that so the the first pathway i, I think it's just the simple pathway you have you have you have animal ruminants or, or not and then you you actually produce milk or you you have a, you have goats and you know you have they make they make babies and <laughs> And um, and and that's livestock as an asset, you know, and and as a means of production. So being able to actually have milk at the household, that uh, the, the household is able to actually get that milk for their home consumptions, it's 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 extremely important. Uh, so whether it's milk or eggs, or you know, having being able to to slaughter a, a goat at some at some big event. Having that access to protein and all the micro and, and micronutrients at the household level is, is very key. And, and, and I think now we know that it's very difficult to remove animal source food if you want your kids uh, to grow healthy uh, in what we call the, the, one, the first 1,000 days, right? It's extremely hard. So, and that comes as well in terms of so increasing productivity so that people have more milk in, in the homestead at home. And as well, a topic which is very close to my heart is women empowerment, ensuring that what, what we do in terms of, of interventions as well, um, allow women to, to make a choice between selling the milk or keeping that milk for her, for her children uh, or her family in general. So, so that's, that's the first pathway. It, it's really about you know, being able to have an animal and um, milking the animal or getting the eggs from the animal or of the goods. So that's the first thing. 
second thing is, is you know, you have a surplus, you, you sell that surplus. Uh, and then you are actually able to, to get more, better food uh, or the, a more diverse diet. Uh, I think mm. veg and, and fruit are extremely key. So in some areas, those items are extremely expensive. Uh, but uh, as well, non, non-food expenses, education. I mean, in, in many of the, <laughs> of the countries, uh, that possibly our, the overview, our auditors are listening from, from, uh, primary education is, is free and has no cost or very, very limited. I mean, in many countries in Africa, people have to pay for that. And, and it's, which is very strange because really, <laughs> we have to increase education level in those countries. Whether it's uniform to be paid or books or just transport or, or the cost of the school. So livestock, by deriving an income, helps people just, just to be able to send uh, the kids to school or pay for uh, medical expenses. So, you know, daily, daily expenses that possibly many, many of us don't really think about that much, you know. And, um, something which is, which is, um, and I will get back to that later possibly, is, is on these, on, on these, uh, What's happening when production increases and people have to find other marketing uh, channels to sell their milk? Once you have very small um, production level and you're just selling one or two liters of milk, usually sell it to your neighbor, to a trader that comes by, and and the woman usually is in charge of that milk and is able to retain that income. And therefore, for for her, for many women in the in in the developing world, that small income, which maybe is not that much, is one dollar or even less. You know, it's a big difference to be able to actually buy buy uh, the the flour or buy the sugar or buy the tea that that people require. So that that's key. So for consumption, that is consumption as well for income. And then and then as we said as we said earlier, uh, livestock is really part of our, of our, of an entire system. So the manure it will increases will increase overall farm productivity. The crops yields will 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 be somehow acceptable, let's just say something high, but not, you know. So that as well, overall farm uh, productivity will, will increase or will be maintained, let's say, uh, through, uh, uh, through livestock. So that's as well an important, an important part. And then one I really want to ha- highlight is the women empowerment. You know, uh, we are looking at how livestock can actually support women to, to be better able to make their own decisions. Because we know as well, when women are empowered, the society as a whole benefits. So um, mm. I think we are, we are looking at, uh, at not at really saying what kind of interventions can we can not only be uh, useful to increase productivity at the farm level, but can be useful to empower women, which have a lot of spillover effects, right, to elsewhere, to child education, to society in general. So that's just at farm level. Now imagine, obviously, you have farm, farm uh, livestock keepers buy, buy inputs, buy services, sell milk, and therefore you have a lot of critical effects, spillover effects from, from those livestock activities at farm level. People get jobs on farms. So lots of, <laughs> lots of great things. This is why livestock is really good. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it's not yeah. well appreciated um, when yeah. you're you know, able to sit in your, um, uh, you know, home. The, the, light and, is getting, the light is getting done at, in Nairobi very quickly, actually, uh, at that uh, time. So I'm going to put the light on so that you okay. see me better. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, Next to the equator. So you move very fast. Ah, yes. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the visit. Um, 
don't know what it, that's a long way down. I won't worry about it. Um, the, the, when, when there, there have been certain, uh, markers put down about in 2050, you know, we'll need this kind of increase in food production and demand and animal source protein and other things. One that I came across was that by 2050, over 70% of humanity will live in urban areas. And so that's uh, when I look at my urban cousins here in America and they take for granted that they can go to the market and buy or now, you know, place your order and have it delivered. Um, very different in other parts of the world. And so as that transition from rural poverty to urban opportunity, such as it is, takes place, the food has to be delivered. And all of that is something that needs development work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's really about I mean in um, in Africa the projections are about uh, increasing uh, demand uh, for animal source food because of more people and uh, mm -hmm. as well as shift in consumption pattern as people get richer uh, you know mm -hmm. well you want you want to eat better better food mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I think that uh, that animalization as well helps you know people moving from let's say uh, liquid milk to yogurt or ice cream <laughs> so mm. it needs needs more animal need more mm. animal source food and you know so we mentioned earlier cooperative movement that in, in, indeed collective action you know to get farmers to have uh, access to a market but access to input and services as well um, I think what I as well as found it extremely uh, interesting is, you know, this, this, this idea of replicating what's happening in the north to, mm. to, the, to the rest of the world. But people have their own habits, isn't it? Yeah? Mm -hmm. So uh, even in even in Kenya, where you have a large, relatively large middle class, you know, liquid milk still dominates the market. And, you mm. know, and uh, with liquid milk dominating the market, then anything about incentives on quality, it's a bit difficult for the market to actually be able to, to react to that. So, so I think it's really about grounding our interventions and grounding the policies into, into what, what, what will work and not like hoping that or yeah, thinking that what, what is happening in the North will as well apply, apply here. So... That sometimes is a, bit, is a bit frustrating when you have donors or investors thinking that, let's say, a chilling plant will, sell, will, will solve all problems of the dairy industry in Africa. Uh, no, I mean, chilling plant is just a building, you know, and if, if the price, for example, or the distance or the conditions and the terms are not good for, for farmers, they will simply not deliver milk over there. And uh, if I may go back to my to my woman's empowerment uh, <laughs> angle, this is something that that we've seen. You know, as value chains get more complex, which means that instead of selling to the trader, you sell, for example, to the cooperative or to the processor. It means moving from your homestead to to that collection point. It means possibly having to put your name somewhere on a register. Do you actually have an, an identity card to show who you are? It gets more complex than, you know, just selling the milk to your neighbor. And, and therefore, um, in some cases, women tend to uh, losing uh, control over, over that income. Mm. 
So, so this is something that I, I, I found it really, really interesting, and it's very important for my colleagues that who works on those issues to uh, to understand it. Because if if the if if somebody doesn't isn't able to control or to to maintain an income from an, an activity, I think rationally he or she will stop doing that, that activity. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, if we want to develop the dairy industry or the livestock industry, we have to make sure that the people who, who who do most of the work actually are able to benefit from their from their work, and, and therefore that, that issue of control over income is just so important to me. Absolutely, um, and and before it it goes completely by the 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 projections for increase in demand for animal source protein. I argue are dramatic underestimates for a number of reasons that actually, you know, the figure that I classically see referenced is something like two thirds increase. And if for no other reason that our population is going to be getting older and we're learning that as we age, we need more than we have been thinking up until now, and it needs to be of higher quality than what somebody in, say, their 30s could could be healthy on. So as the aging population becomes a bigger and bigger reality, uh, which from my reading is going to be the driver of population growth going forward is is a growingly older population not necessarily you know more children it's more old people like me getting to live to be old people um so uh, it, it's very complicated but there is that demonstrable need for as we go forward and you can think about generational stability that that if you get to have grandparents then that assists with the parents and the children and mm-hmm. that gives some benefit to society as well at least i like to think so um yes <laughs> so uh, have there been some key sort of ahas in your professional life as you've worked in this space that just you you hadn't thought of it and then all of a sudden it strikes you and and it, i guess the term would be a paradigm shifter or uh, just something some things that stand out in in your experience that you could share with people yeah i think the first one is when i was uh, i was saying earlier i didn't really think about livestock before i Coming from coming from France, you know, this issue about famine and hunger and, you know, helping people be better fed, you know, you think about cereals, right? About maize or, you know, rice or, you know. And uh, so I had planted my PhD on, on maize, actually, uh, because I, I really thought, you know, people have maize, <laughs> they will be okay, right? <laughs> so, uh, and then some, for some reason, uh, you know, possibly, you know, destiny, I don't know, the project I was supposed to be to be attached to didn't take place. And uh, at that time, my supervisor was as well working with somebody at, at IRI, where I am currently the Livestock Research Institute. And um, so I was told that a dairy project in Kenya, which I could do my PhD, and I wanted to do absolutely fieldwork. I wanted to do fieldwork for my PhD. I wanted to be actually talk about my data, the data that I've collected, because I had used other people's data, and I felt very frustrated not to be under, not understanding those data. What are those numbers? You know, what is two acres? What is you know? So 
so then I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to do my PhD on dairy and then go back to my maze. <laughs> and as I said earlier, that for me was a part, was really the shift. I was like, then, okay, hold on. <laughs> Livestock uh, is not only a means of production, it's an asset. And obviously animal source food is so important at so many parts of your life. You know, as we said earlier, the first 1,000 days and then adolescent, teenager, you know, and the, and the older people, as, as you said earlier. So I, I didn't change. I never went back to my maid. <laughs> and, um, and really, that was the first thing. It's about livestock, really, as such a key component of, of people's life. Uh, yeah. So that was my first, my first one. Quite, quite a big shock. And mm. um, I'm very, very happy for the base project to have failed. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and have started to work on, on livestock. Uh, so that was, that was my, my first one. Mm. Uh, my, my second one was really about, about gender, I would say. Um, yeah, having been, um, had the chance of working with extremely powerful gender scientists here. And, uh, you know, as economists, you tend to look at, at, at the household as a, as a whole, right? And possibly coming from Europe where there's possibly more sharing of roles and ability in terms of income and task, I wasn't really uh, thinking that it would be such a, a big difference in other countries. But just what I was explaining, explaining earlier, the fact that um, members of the households, in particular, you know, uh, men and women, have very different differential role. What it means to be, you know, a, a, a woman, a young woman in, in, in Kenya or in, you know, in India uh, is makes it's just so different from than 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 being a man in terms of what you are allowed to do, what you want to do, what are your aspirations. Uh, so as 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 I worked as I worked with uh, with, uh, with 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 gender scientists, uh, with other social scientists, that that understanding that that really you have to consider intra household uh, allocation, intra household decision making. And and the fact that if you put, one may think a very gender neutral interventions like a chilling plant can completely change uh, the way women are able to control income, the way kids are fed. You know, I mean, it's just like such a big difference. I never really thought about that. And uh, so some of my more you know technical technical science. Uh, colleagues, you know, animal health people or veterinarians or forage people. We have called those moments the haha moment when, uh, like, poof, a, a light bulb starts. <laughs> and uh, one was really about about that, about the fact that if you really have to look at uh, um, gender norms, social norms. When you do an interventions on livestock, but on, I'm, I'm sure on other on other topics as well, and uh, so that's that was my 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 big second one, and my third one, if I may have a third one, was was really at the policy level, which we discussed earlier. That I, I first for many years thought that I, I should work more at, at household level, what value chain level, looking at uh, supporting. Uh, let's say private sector, NGO partners, um, farmer groups, cooperatives, you know, to get better organized, um, for example, for collective actions. But then the power of the policy and the, and the investment, the power of, uh, of, uh, of donors, whether they support livestock or not livestock. But for me, when I say no, 
no, we really have to get to that space. We cannot just stay at, um, at, at uh, let's say, at, at household level or at value chain level. You have to go at a, a, a higher level up as well, not only, but as well. That for me was, uh, was, very, uh, was very key. Yes. Um, and, and I think that said it a couple times, but we in the high income countries have had the luxury of being separated from the daily reality of food production. Um, and it, it is a luxury. It, it at its best allows us to make our application toward bettering humanity in different fields. Um, hopefully, hopefully. Um, um, one of I, I, another point, I've heard it and maybe I can check with you, but in some parts of the world, virtually the, the property that women can own or livestock as opposed to what people here might yeah. take for granted. Mm -hmm. So, so in that sense, that's another key role Absolutely. that they play. Um, and that point just came to me as I was in the middle of trying to form a question. So um, when, when people start imagining a life without livestock, what they don't understand is all of these mm. uh, ramifications. Um, and um, we, so we, we've touched on a number of uh, topics. Um, my, my friend that I was talking to earlier um, this week said something, and he said it, so it's not mine, but success stories out of Africa sell. And if we can find ways to tell these, I think it will help overcome some of what we're currently experiencing as a tsunami of this other worldview that says somehow there's a world without livestock agriculture and there's human flourishing without animal products in the diet. Um, so I, I commend all the work that's going on. Where can people learn more about what you're doing and your colleagues are doing? How could people get involved um, and, and support this kind of activity? I think yeah. I think information is 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 key, and I think being open to to change your <laughs> your opinion, and as well understanding that something that works for you at a point of time in a in a place doesn't mean that everybody has to do that as well. I think that for me is uh, is extremely important. You know, you know, we all have you know nieces or sisters who are supposed to be vegetarians, and then they know our work on life, so can say, what is wrong with you? Livestock is bad, you know, okay, hold on, hold on, just, just listen, just read. So, uh, yeah, so it, so it read with some other partners. We have, uh, we have this website called uh, Why Livestock Matter, it's very easy to remember, .org, which really try to compile um, the information that on, on different, on different topics. And it's not about glorifying livestock either, right? It's not about saying, no, livestock is, you know, it's really about getting a balance a balanced view, a balanced opinion, and a science-based opinion, science-based information on, 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 on wildlife stock, which are focused for us as, as Hillary on low and medium income countries. So we look at things like, you know, what while la, the link between livestock and, and nutrition is, is key, we've discussed that. 
livestock and human health as well. It's, it's obviously very important. Livestock and the environment, you know, how, how can we ensure that we minimize the negative impacts of livestock on the environment? And in some cases, you know, livestock uh, being beneficial to rangeland management, for example. So I think we should not just say livestock is bad. Sometimes livestock is good, you know, for the environment. And then, of course, livestock and and, and gender, <laughs> I've already mm -hmm. said that, you know, how can livestock support uh, progress towards women empowerment and gender equality? I think that's very important. And of course, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an economist. So uh, livestock and, and growth, economic growth and, and prosperity, that's, that's the way we call it. So, you know, there's, um, we try to communicate very differently. We have obviously, uh, I mean, the way I see it as a, as a scientist is that I, I, I try to write as Paper which has as 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 good as as possible, based you know based on 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 on, on very good data, uh, using models that make sense, you know, ensuring that we have uh, comments from different people, and that's very important. It goes to high level journal papers. Not everybody can read can read this this paper, but for me, I need to get the science right first before I start <laughs> my 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 more advocacy work. So. That really is the two parts I, I think it is, uh, is increasingly good at is really ensuring that we have this, make this, getting the science right, making sure that we, we publish very strong science. Not on our own. We never work alone, by the way, actually. We always work with partners. But as well, how do we communicate that through different means? And uh, yeah, the website is very important. We have, we have blogs. Uh, yeah, podcast. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, we have uh, we have Twitter. So yeah, get engaged. I think um, we have a very we have uh, the we are ramping towards uh, the UN Food Security uh, Summit, and uh, people are very. I mean, it's very uh, an open process, uh, and and people are, are contributing. There's a lot of on online online uh, online events. And sometimes the livestock people are kind of on their own. So if people want to contribute to the uh, to the UN Food System uh, Summit, uh, and you know, hear hear from the different views and make your own decision and your opinion. And if you think that indeed, as I think, livestock has a big place, a big role uh, in sustainable livestock system and sorry, in sustainable uh, food system, then you know. Give your opinions as well on on those on those uh, on those on those forums. Yeah, my maybe biased. Uh, put my hand up. But one of my comments is: we can't meet today the needs of today's world, let alone the world of 2050 and beyond, without ruminant animal agriculture as a fundamental part of whatever food system is pra being practiced wherever it's being practiced. Um, and that we have to strive for improving productivity and efficiency for all the reasons that that That's you've right. we've we've yeah. talked about and and trying to encourage undergraduates to look at ruminant animal agriculture forage agronomy as places to make these kinds of big impacts um, that that we. There, there was the need for a green revolution in the 60s and 70s, and I think that there's a need for a ruminant revolution in I the 2020s. <laughs> yes, so um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm advocating for, for the ruminants, um, but also basically for humans. Because absolutely, of, absolutely, yes, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I just I like as a scientist, I like giving as well, 
you know, I give the I give the evidence. If people don't want to hear it, listen. Okay, I've, but I, I mean, I'm sure, like like you, in in the past, we used to publish papers and just think that somehow policymakers will just <laughs> find our papers. So something that you have not discussed on 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 policy and and Hillary has been really trying to to make that very clear. He's, you know, when people, when countries ask us, okay, wh- what can I do then to invest into into livestock? So now we have developed uh, with with partners like FAO and CIRAD, we have what we call the livestock master plans. Which are which are kind of blueprints for for country to say okay you want to invest into livestock here it is <laughs> so we have a set of models and of uh, of processes uh, we we're doing it right now actually in uh, in Kenya it's uh, for mm-hmm. us being based in Kenya it's it's a, it's a fantastic opportunity to develop the livestock master plan for this country as well for uh, Gambia and the state of uh, mm-hmm. Odisha in India. Hmm. Well, and and I, one of my soapboxes is human metabolic health, and what we're seeing about its role in the the non communicable diseases, which are a massive problem in all three income countries. I mean, it's it's it, it's not confined to high income countries, and when we look at the low and middle income countries. The burden is even greater because of the lack of the other uh, um, parts of the system. And it is arguable that increasing animal source food in the diet is a way of reversing those. And yet we haven't fully appreciated the economic and the environmental impacts of those metabolic illnesses. And so the the models, I, I think, haven't yet begun to really in, encompass end-to-end the, the, the human life cycle analysis of environmental impact, if you will. I yep. know that gets tricky, but um, like I say, that's one of my soapboxes. But um, I, I think going forward, we'll have to be open to how do we how do we expand the definition of malnutrition because right now classically we think of insufficient essential nutrients and rightly so we, you know no argument on the other hand these diseases like type 2 diabetes i could argue are another form of malnutrition mm-hmm. And the the linkage between all of those all seem to at least be made worse by insulin resistance. If not a causal relationship, they're certainly not improved. So all of that, and then thinking about, well, how are we going to feed a population where that's a growing problem? Yeah. So, uh, but again, that's my soapbox. So I'm going to step down now and look sheepish. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank you for this window into a part of the world that I really want to learn more about. And um, mentioned before we got started that I look forward to visiting Ilri. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, Absolutely. Um, um, so thank you. Um, before we go, if you have any questions for me, it's only fair to offer the opportunity. <laughs> Otherwise I'll let you get to, to, is it dinner or supper there? What, what? Um, dinner. 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 Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll let you get to dinner in your evening. 
Yeah, just just a question actually. What so what what do you get your energy? What drives you in your work? Hmm. Um, one is I am passionate about forage agriculture for a number of reasons, and it's more than just hay or pasture or silage. That um, uh, number two is I've had a personal health experience that has resulted in me having a new look at what I had received as wisdom. And then I come to question it and go, hmm. and then I look around and realize a lot of people are still where I was. And it's not so much convincing people as making sure people have access to information. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to make an informed decision when you don't have the information. Um, and then I get to talk with people like yourself that are interesting <laughs> and give me new perspectives. Or I get to uh, talk to um, physicians who are actually taking people off of medications because their health has improved. Mm -hmm. And, and so it, it talk about shifting the paradigm from a chronic disease to wait, they're not sick anymore. What you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. then I've, I've gotten to work with a number of people who are themselves farmers and ranchers and they're hardworking people who are doing this work. And yet, Absolutely. You know, the message that comes against them. And so part of my mission is to stand and say, wait a minute, you know, may maybe you need to learn more before you start, um, you know, casting stones yeah. at, at, at these people. And, and also, Absolutely. I think there's a debt that I owe to those people who trained me. Um, and, and I certainly have had tremendous advantage for a number of reasons. And. I'd like to pay that forward a little bit. That's great. That's beautiful. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's very nice. Yes. <laughs> great. Well, Isabel, I'm I'm glad that Frederick introduced us if if yes, only yes, correct. yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And, and he was right. You're a, a wonderful person for me to have spent this time with. So thank you very much. It was great talking to you as well. I mean, I, I you know, I think it's really so important to to connect to get better connections between people who uh, I think the power of, of working together, I, I just, um, that's, that's something I really, really value, uh, you know, not being, and not thinking that we have already the right answer mm. uh, and uh, being able to reach out when you don't know and uh, asking questions as a scientist, I think that's <laughs> what I've learned is mm. less possibly about the answers and more about the questions. Mm, mm, yeah. Well said. <laughs> I look forward to, if I can ever be Great. of any assistance, and I look forward to working. Great. Yeah. Hopefully Absolutely. in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Same. Likewise. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you take care. You too. <laughs>